Ronaldo. He's made space for himself. Ronaldo shot. Pick that out. What a hat trick. And what a stage on which to score it. Ronaldo has done some remarkable things in his young career. But the three goals that he has scored here tonight against Manchester United will rank... Hello and welcome to today's very special Mother's Day edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. This is your host, Kian Sobani. And today's podcast comes in two parts. Part one is Castilla Corner, where the Castilla Corner gang actually got a former Real Madrid player and Castilla player, Francisco Salvador Ella. And uh, they chatted with him about his time at Real Madrid. Some fun stuff there. And then part two... Myself, Omar, and Matt will see. We revisit Real Madrid's 3-4 loss to Manchester United at Old Trafford in 2003. Of course, they ultimately advance from that tie, and it goes down as one of the greatest games in Champions League history, the Ronaldo hat-trick. Um, and it was just fun to revisit. We got into a lot of fascinating discussion about the number 10 role that Zidane played. Um, some what-ifs with Figo and how Real Madrid dealt with that situation. Makaleli's incredible performance covering so much defensive ground. Uh, and so much more. Um, housekeeping, next weekend, we're actually covering football. So on the Manage Madrid podcast, this free RSS feed, we're going to be doing the Atrap Hakimi post-game show. Um, so stick around for that. We're going to actually do a post-game show entirely dedicated to Atrap's return with Dortmund. They're playing against Schalke on the 16th, I believe. So keep it locked. And also, we're going strong on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Don't lose out on that access and that bonus content. We have... Two bonus shows coming this week before the weekend show. And then with La Liga resuming soon and Real Madrid back to training tomorrow, we're going to be uh, having a lot to talk about. So uh, hope you guys stay safe. Hope you guys all are hugging all the mothers you know who are so important on this earth for obvious reasons. Wanted to give a shout out to all of you. We appreciate you to all the mothers listening to the podcast. And if you're not a mother listening to this podcast, we just wanted to wish you and your mother a happy Mother's Day. Um, all right, without further ado, here's part one, the Castilla Corner Crew with Francisco Salvador. Ella, let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. start this one off by uh, apologizing because it has been two or three weeks since the last Castilla Corner. I know it's popular. I know you guys want more episodes, um, but it has been a busy time. Now we're back and we are back with a, a bang. Ruben cannot make today's show uh, because unfortunately, just outside his house, there's people building and he reckons there's too many drills and hammers and whatnots uh, and it would ruin the show, which is a massive shame because he's a, a staple part of this show. Chris is here, however. Um, how are you, Chris? Not too bad at all. I want to say that we're back with a bang for a reason. I wanted to be the first podcast to bring a player onto the show. A former Real Madrid, former Castilla player. That would have been superb. Last week, though, the pesky Kian Sabani brought Jeremy <laughs> onto the show. <laughs> so we are going to have to settle for second place. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, we do have a very special guest today, a former Castilla player, 
was very close to the first team, then had a, a really good career at some good clubs in Spain. Um, we are, of course, uh, talking about Francisco Salvador Ila, otherwise known as Chupe. Chupe, how are you? Hi, guys. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> oh, very, very good. It's so good to have you on. Um, we've been trying to get a player on for a long time now. You don't understand how long we've been trying. So it's great to have you here. Yeah, so I play... <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Ah, no, go on. Uh, uh, no, yes, uh, I play... Uh, in Madrid, so yeah. uh, almost well, f- almost four years. Uh, oh, nice. One, yeah, because one year I go uh, to Alcorcón to play. Yeah, I played there. Um, top scorer to the community of Madrid. Nice. And later back to to Real Madrid. Yeah. And later I'm, I'm, I play Leganes, Alcorcón. Bueno, Alcorcón, I tell you before. Sorry. No <laughs> Las Palmas, Getafe, yeah. Rayo Vallecano. Let nice. them play in different countries like uh, uh, Malta, mm. Singapore, Hong Kong, uh, Laos. Uh, yeah, yeah. So many different countries in the world. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, really cool. So you played for some really now known as big clubs in Spain, Leganes, Real Vallecano. You were at Getafe for a little bit, obviously Real Madrid. Yeah. You were also so, gone. So yeah, I played there. So, but after when I back to Alcorcón, I have one one big injury. Mm. So oh. in Alcorcón, it my 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 best year. Uh, I scored there 16, 16 goal. Nice. And when I back, I need to make operation for for nine months because oh. my knee uh, still so 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 bad. It's uh, oh, wow. very close, like Ronaldo. Brazilian, mm. yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, not totally broken, but it's still broken the, yeah, mm. the tendon. So, uh. huh. but after that, start to calm down my 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 career because after nine months you 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 know are the same, you know, you, yeah, you need yeah, to absolutely. recover everything, mm-hmm. and when you are very good. The other player that doesn't wait, you know. <laughs> Everybody there in the top team is like uh, so much competition, and yeah, then yeah. when you stay this nine months, cannot still play. Start to come the other player, you know. Yeah, start yeah. to Everybody there is really good player. So <laughs> then when you have one, <laughs> when you give just one minute, it's too much for the other player. So this is the, the, the top competition in, in, in the football, I think so, in another different sport. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great answer. Um, uh, Chris, you're next on the questions. We've got a little uh, rotor going. Yeah, we have a little rotor. So I just wanted to ask, how did your move to Real Madrid happen? When I started to play there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I signed with the nine, 19 years old. Okay. So I... I, I Real Madrid start to look at me here, my because I'm I living in Andalusia, you know, Almeria, ah, small yeah, yeah. city. And this age is so difficult to to because my my city, no so many people come here to to watch the the, the football player. Huh. Uh, just a small city from holiday, you know, holiday. Mm. Uh, many people from England come here to oh, nice. have have a here house. You know, <laughs> they coming from holiday, very nice place. Mm. And uh, one day, 
they one 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 guy go to see another another guys in in the Malaga province. Mm. Uh, this guy is my friend also, <laughs> Juanlu. He <laughs> playing Betis and oh. many other team. Uh, Betis and oh, I don't remember another Almeria here. Oh yeah, in my yeah, city yeah. Almeria also play. And uh, after the they look at me and and start to follow me in another 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 game. And then when I when they finally the league, they come for me and talk to oh. me. Wow. And uh, wow, amazing, you know, because <laughs> uh, I know something, but you don't know until you sign. So mm. when they come, they talk to you. You are so, so young, mm. a long time. One never player from Almeria to sign the contract for one big team. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> boom, you know. It's, wow! It's, so everybody is so happy. My family, my friend. All yeah, the yeah, city, yeah. because <laughs> you represent the the, the 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 small city, you know. Because you 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 fighting with Malaga, Sevilla. Mm. This is the top uh, city here in, in Andalusia. Yeah, yeah. No, for me the top one is Almeria. Sorry for Malaga. Sorry for <laughs> Sevilla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. But, but this is more international, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> Did you, sorry um, for the Malaga guys. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so many friends there, also in Sevilla, but <laughs> everybody so you, knows your city, you know. <laughs> did you start in the academy at all? Uh, I, I play, yeah, in, yeah, I play here in academy, but uh, I play in my city academy. Oh, yeah, nice. Okay. In Andalusia, everybody knows this city uh, because many football players. Can, can many sorry many football team uh, they get so many players for my academy ah. already my my cousin go to be a real to play oh nice he also oh. in my academy and uh, um, have another many player I have another I think so one keeper in Atletico Madrid in the <laughs> second team wow so is a uh, the people here, well, I think so, hold this pain, but more in the Andalusia part. Mm. They know my, my academy. So nice. it's nice academy. It's good. It's great. That's good to hear. So when you were at Real Madrid, you had signed for them. Um, what kind of involvement did you eventually have with the first team, the big boys? Um, which players did you know? How much contact did you have with uh, Del Bosque? No, with Del Bosque... Uh, not has so many contacts because in this okay. time, uh, Del Bosque, when 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 arriving there, he doesn't his coach. Yeah. He's coach later. Yeah, okay. he's uh, he's looking for the player. Uh, if you need something, you need to tell him. And uh, everybody follow every every category of the player of the football team. And, and later, uh, he's more manager of team. Mm. And later he got the first team. So, okay. but uh, great contact when if you I go to Madrid, I I go to the training to see the training. If you look oh, nice. at him, he's a very very good guy. Mm. Uh, but uh, like a phone contact like this, no, no, I never have a contact. <laughs> Did I you... want, I want. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember playing or training with any of the? Real Madrid first team players back then, so maybe Zidane or anything like that. Uh, 
Yeah, I remember to tell you for the first team. Oh. So, you know, for, for one one boy, they, yeah. they go there, so so many football yeah. stars, so many <laughs> yeah. like Zidane, uh, yeah. Roberto Carlos. With Roberto Carlos, I have a good good content in this time. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he's an amazing guy. He's amazing. And uh, Raul Gonzalez. Yeah, uh, sad or like <laughs> so many. You are a little bit nervous, you know, because you you don't want to mistake one ball. You know what? <laughs> so really, it's it's it's, it's like. Uh, but when you are there in five minutes, everybody, hey, what's up, boy? How are you? Everything is okay. You start to be more, more, more. How to say? Yeah. Yeah, relax. and then you more relaxed. Yeah, you come down <laughs> because you have so much tension. You know when you got the ball and you know, Zidane talk to you, hey, give me pass. You like why? <laughs> That's amazing. Year, or two years before in my cousin they tell me give me pass and now <laughs> it's it so you know and like okay I give you the. <laughs> For you, <laughs> but uh, later you know you when the, the when you have ten ten minutes or twenty minutes there you you doesn't see like this just you are one more because the the people introduced to you very well mm. so and after very easy to play it's more easy to play with them because even you can give very bad ball he do very well so yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> everything <bet>. is perfect <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant I um. I learned something about you yesterday, and that is that you were included in the Champions League squad for the yeah. winning 2001-2002 season. Um, yeah. You were so close to a medal, huh? <laughs> yeah, so close, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just play that? one minute, your, your <laughs> oh life changed everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your life changed so much. <laughs> but you didn't, but, you didn't uh, manage to, huh? No, 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 no medal, uh, no money, no nothing. <laughs> I, it's quite no, bad. it's not about the money. It's more the prestige, you know. Like uh, yeah. you play there, you are champion. It's really amazing. You are into the to the the best player friend. You are in the history to Real Madrid. You know, mm, this is the, the yeah. most important because uh, the, I look in the some picture of my of my friend. They play, they win the champion with the first team, and uh, you see, like, wow. Maybe the people they don't know him, but he stayed there in the photo in the picture forever. You know? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even yeah. being in the squad is amazing. Yeah. You, you must have been close to that first team. Yeah. Um, one thing you were though um, was a senior international. You were an international player for your country. Yeah. Uh, not many people do that whilst they're at Castilla, but you did. Um, I also found out something else about you. You made your debut uh, against Togo. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and yeah, uh, Emmanuel Adebayor, Adebayor was playing yeah, for Togo. Adebayor, you won. Yeah. Um, what? How did you like playing for your country? What do you remember about it? Well, uh, remember uh, so much responsibility because uh, mm. everybody you represent to your country, and then after this game, all the Europe. Can you see, you know? Yeah. So yeah. when you are in the pitch, no, it's not only you. It's the 20,000, 50,000, 11,000 people they have in the in the football field. Yeah, you yeah. you represent is Africa, you know? Africa also, they need to push more mm. because you play more with your heart. 
So, uh, and later, when I, I told you more, when they start the game, you go over there, it's national team, you know. <laughs> you see Togo, they are the guy, but everybody, they don't know Atebayo. <laughs> so, we start the game, we start to play. Africa is not Europe, my friend. Africa, yeah. they start the game, I got the, I got the ball, I turn around, I try to make the pass, my God. They beat me one for one, guys. Oh my god! <laughs> really? Wow! I, I just see the, the, the I just see the the, the the brand of the food, you know. Down, I see Adidas. They hit my they hit my leg. I jump almost twenty meters. Oh! <laughs> and the referee, I look at the referee. The referee said, "No, he touched the ball." I say, "What?" <laughs>
taking oh, this. Wow. This wow. is for you. <laughs> no problem. I can go. I, I find more. Never mind. This is for you. Thank you for coming <laughs> here to represent our country. You are from Guinea. You are the son of Guinea. So <laughs> amazing. My mom, oh, my mom, like, hi, <laughs> my son, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you think so? So like uh, really amazing experience. Ah, incredible. Yeah. You were you were also a winner with Castilla. You won the Segunda B title in 2002. Do you remember that? Sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't. I don't. You, are, um... you, uh, you won the Segunda B title in 2002. Do you remember what that experience was like? 2002. I, yeah, I, you I, were I... A, a champion with Castilla. So... Oh, all right, all right, all right, mm. all right. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's good because one day. One journalist, my friend, they tell me, but this this age, uh, I got the news uh, okay, but no, not so very good because mm. in this time also I have some problem for my knee. Oh, so I receive it like, oh, this age they come in this one, but <laughs> I know the feeling. I feel it happy, but it's like. Because in this time I don't play so much. Yeah. In the second team, it like little bit like nervous. Like why? Oh, now this time I'm so happy. Yeah, but <laughs> oh, now you need to. Oh, every day you need to push more. No, but in this time, is my situation is so so there. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, I say for the book, oh, the Vicente, thank you so much because you remember me. Of course, thank you. I try to fight him so much for. For stay there, but <laughs> later it doesn't. They doesn't go to play one game. Uh, they win the champion, yeah. But mm. um, I don't know if you, if your officialities, uh, I win. But mm. uh, my my feeling is no, I I not win because oh. uh, because it, it's different if you stay there in the football field. Mm. Uh, you never stay yet. Yes, you stay there in between. But um, I don't feel it like this because wow. every football player like 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 to play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like to play. Even is uh, yeah one championship. I don't know if you is if you officially I'm I win or not. Mm. But my feel is like no because <laughs> uh, for me if you I, I, even if I stay there in the bench. Okay, mm. I feel it. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. But when you see in the outside to the stadium, so as yeah, to the sad, field, uh, it's, it's different, you know. That's really sad. Um, all yeah. I can say is that you definitely are a champion with Castilla. You hundred <laughs> percent. I don't know. I don't know. Really. I don't know. It's done, huh? Um, yeah. So, so your teammates at Castilla, you played with some. Big players, yeah. even a Castilla Soldado, Pavon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who do you remember? Who was your favorite? Who was the best? Um, what was your experience there? Oh, the spelling is, um, uh, you know, you are you are so young. Mm. Uh, you want to get everything. You want to learn everything. And there's yeah. so much competition. <laughs> and really good to remember time. Even when when they finish the contract there, oh, I start to cry <laughs> because 
Real Madrid is no I respect the other team, but Real Madrid is the best one, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, when 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 you are inside, wow, it's amazing. Not just for for the Real Madrid team, it's also outside. <laughs> every football game you want to play, every football field is full. Wow. Uh, if you need something, you have one person for that. If you have one small injury, you have two or three physiotherapy. Physiotherapy. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, guys, for you, mm. uh, doctor, medical, uh, everything, <laughs> everything, my friend. Incredible. But there, when you are inside, you play for the, this player. Of course, mm. everybody wants to stay there for a long time. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the worst, yeah? Like, like you go to the training. But after when you are outside, it's different. Everybody's mm. friend. Yeah, or you have yeah. two, two or three friends. There you go. The best player for me... For me, Jurado. Oh, okay. Jurado. Nice. Jurado and uh, Diego Lopez. Yeah. Keeper. Um, this for me, these two most for me more jurado. Jurado okay. is amazing, really amazing player for me. Mm. For me, the best one, my team. Wow. Yeah, like in training, he started to training with us with 16 years old. Yes, wow, so small <laughs> and but very strong. Oh, and then oof, the first ball they come for him, he make one control. Whoa. Everybody like, wow, what happened with this guy? Of course, this guy played for division, 100%. Wow. <laughs> because just come, just come here and, and do like this. Wow. Just, just, just look at him and it's amazing prayer. But later when when the, he go to Atletico Madrid, there maybe not so good situation, and go here, go there. But this is the football, this is the life, yeah? Yeah, but absolutely. For me, yeah, yeah. But for me, uh, the best player what I training. In the second team, uh, Jurado. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you remember your manager when you were at Castilla? Uh, Juan Ramon Lopez Caro? Yeah. Uh, what did you think of him? He went on to manage the first team, obviously. So what, what was yeah, your impression so, of him? No, big, uh, I have a uh, good relationship with him. Also, now... He lived before three months. I stayed with him in in China in Shenzhen. Oh, nice! Okay, because I live. He got the football team of Shenzhen. Yeah, he put this team in first division. <sighs> but uh, Shenzhen, China is is very big, you know. But you don't know who is he. I tried to make the contract with him, but long time I didn't look at him. But one day we watch in the road. We see oh. in the road like. Uh, Oh, coach, what happened? Hey, Chupe, how are you, my friend? Hey, you come here to my house. I live in here. I say, why? I live in here two meters of your house. <laughs> you know? So, you know the life. You, you, you wow. think so? They, no, this is challenge very far. He live five minutes to your house. <laughs> so, and we look, ah, come with me to walk in the morning. I say, no, I need to have my job. So, <laughs> so <laughs> no, very good relationship. Because, do you know? When we are there, I remember so much fighting with him. Every time he really? chupe this one, chupe with that. <laughs> oh my God, chupe this. But you know, it's when when you look outside, it's different. 
when you are inside. It's another another thing because it's so difficult for one uh, coach to put. You have 25 players in the training plus maybe another five or ten to the other third team. Mm. So when you in the football field, just play 11. No. Yeah. So it's so difficult for one football coach. Yeah. Which football player gonna play? Because every time, every fighting, 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 fighting. But the football coach, when you are asking, ah, this mother, <laughs> don't put me in the field. What the? What the hell? Like <laughs> now, I'm coach. <laughs> yeah. I say, oh my god! Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, now they got to give me back the, <laughs> the situation. <laughs> like, no, so you when you ask her later, you understand. And I look at him. We we get one heart. Also, <laughs> the wife. Ah, this is true. Yeah. Hi, how are you? We talk because also we are the same area, Andalusia. He from Sevilla. I'm from Almeria. Oh, nice. So we meet one day. We eat together. Stay there. Very good relationship. So mm. I never have a never bad relation. That's brilliant. Um, Excellent. Probably answered two in one there. So we can go. We can skip Chris. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you played for Castilla, the uh, the current training grounds weren't built. So what was it like? Playing for Castilla in, in the old training grounds. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, I said uh, you, you can yeah. fire away there, Sam. <laughs> yeah, so you know so, uh, Valdebebas. Valdebebas, yeah. Uh, training ground. It was not um, what it is now. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm my age. is the last age for the other uh, uh, football field mm-hmm. in Castellana. You know Castellana, Madrid. Okay, yeah. La Castellana. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, my my when I finish my contract mm. next year, yeah. the the uh, this year closed the Real Madrid this one. Oh. But uh, when I be to Valdebeba, oh Valdebeba is amazing, my friend. It's uh, it's one city. It's incredible, incredible. It's incredible, my friend. Mm. But the other one, really, is, is, is for me. <laughs> uh, I tell you, for me, I'm so. I say sorry, so so glad, so feeling, so good feeling. Like mm. sorry, my English, no, uh, because good. because you know the other one has so much history, my friend. Yeah, it's yeah. so many players they can pass the very old, mm. you know, and like uh, and for example, in the the old, in the old one, when you are going to the training, also you go for the same for the same part of the football players to the first team. Yes. So when you go out to your room, they go out to the other room. Maybe Raúl, maybe Zizou, maybe Ronaldo, and you stay with him face to face. You know. So this, for me, this one is more feeling because you are more close to the first team. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first team training in the left side, you training in the right side. So wow. almost together. Yeah. So. I'm so happy for 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 stay there, you know, because yeah, yeah. you are part of the history to this place. Yeah. Now have two or three hotel there, but <laughs> <laughs> when, yeah. you, when 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 I go to Madrid, I pass in front of there. Uh, sorry, it's like you know, they start mm. to come there. This this uh, how to say inside, no nervous like um, 
feeling, you know, like, wow, yeah. I, I, I stay yeah. there, you know, mm. even you, you see the old guys because he's really, it's really good sensation, really. Yeah. Now, okay. the other one is better because it's really crazy, this one. Yeah, really So crazy. many football team. So, sorry, so many football games, so many pits, everything <laughs> there is perfect. I go inside, I see the 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 the, the doctor medical. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh. The, the 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 jacuzzi have many <laughs> swimming pool. Uh, you go inside to the room. The room is full for everything. So really, it's, brilliant. It's Real Madrid, my friend, is he's, yeah. This is Real Madrid is the, the the one of the best team in the world. And mm. they, when you go to play there. If you want to stay 100%, they give you everything. Really. They never wow. mistake nothing, really. As you said, um, you were 21 when you played for Castilla. Now you coach, you coach in China. Um, yeah. Would you, you've been back to Valdebibas. Would you ever consider coaching for Real Madrid in the future? Uh, I don't know because this is not easy. Okay. It's not easy because uh, mm. I won. I want to stay okay. there inside. I want to work for Real Madrid, of course. Mm. Uh, but it's, it's not easy because uh, I have so many football professional players. Mm. Every time they stay there, yeah. uh, like Raul. Now I have uh, for under 11, Duque, one, one, the coach of under 11 okay. team. Yeah, yeah. So Duque, so he play, we play together, the mm. second team. He's nice. my friend also. And then, but he from Madrid, I'm from Almeria, it's more difficult. Yeah, because okay. if you stay there, you have more relationship with the people. Maybe they look your job. You mm. know, you find another team. They look your job. Yeah, you are more close. Maybe you can. But uh, here, my city is is difficult. But yeah. I, I, I I I I do all my best for stay there, of course. Yeah. But now my situation is more get experience. I'm in China. Uh, I learn more the, the I learn like language Chinese and I try to also learn more my English. Uh, so uh, stay there more for Spain. Also, the situation here in Spain is, is not so good because the situation is not just for the virus. It's before long time mm. to find some job or, uh, because you after football you need to do something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. you need to go to the real life. You need to find a job, and also you need to train. You need to work very hard. But it's difficult to do this here in Spain. For yeah. this one, I go to China because the government of China they give uh, the help to the football team or to the oh, school nice. to 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 find the the foreigner coach. To they okay. pay everything, house. They pay your salary. You live with that. You, wow. you, 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 you live for the football, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and after China, it's it's amazing because in China, if it's good place, because if you want to do some business, also can, you know, because yeah. now, it's, now China, everybody do the business in China. So, uh, in the future, of course, I want to work for Real Madrid. Why not? <laughs> you know, but. Uh, I know it's a little bit difficult now because I have so many people that stay there, they're waiting. And <laughs> yeah, they have yeah, very, yeah. they have so much uh, courier like me. 
you know, they're playing first division, they yeah, are yeah. Uh, playing national team, and another one also, even they have only the people they can play for Real Madrid before, have another people, maybe that they're playing Betis, <laughs> either is good coach, and they say Real Madrid come here to, to train in white team, so nice. I know it's, 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 it's not easy, but nothing mm. is impossible, yeah? No, not yeah, at all. Definitely. In fact, um, I hope to see you work there very, very soon. That'd be <laughs> awesome. We'd have a, a contact within the club, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I <be> brilliant. <laughs> of course. So, um, I think that caps that off. I think we're done. Um, Chupé, oh, this has been All right. perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank the you were so much. Brilliant. Too. You gave some really, really good responses. Um, and I loved Thanks. it. We loved it. I'm sure we did. Me too. It was brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much. I know you oh, guys. Oh, so, so, Michael, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so. <laughs> you speak perfect English, okay. yeah? Perfect. I try, I try to make better. <laughs> so. it's, it's better than my Spanish, though. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but your Spanish is not so good. <laughs> ah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> because my English is... <laughs> sorry. Perfect. Uh, guys, I know you're going to love this. Um, All right. Give me some love. Uh, apart from that, we will be back. Uh, I think next week we're going to try and do a season review of this season and the players. So we will see you then. Apart from that, uh, have a good one, guys. Ala Madrid. Ala Madrid. <laughs> Hello and welcome to part two of the Managing Madrid podcast. It is um, a very, very much anticipated um, historical segment where I don't know how it took us this long to actually cover this particular game. But here we are after... After almost covering every single era and doing countless amount of games, we are finally talking about one of the best games in Champions League history, and that was Manchester United 4, Real Madrid 3 in 2003, the second leg. Of course, Real Madrid still advanced on aggregate. We did the first leg earlier um, earlier when we introduced the historical segment. I think it was the third one we did, um, which Real Madrid won 3-1. So, helping me, Kian Sobani, break down this wonderful game is Omar Vin and Matt Wiltsey. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. It's uh, nice and 75 degrees and sunny here, so I can't complain. Did it Did it snow? I, I know it snowed in the east coast of the U.S. Did it snow in Canada? Yeah, we're all blanketed in snow in the east coast. <laughs> Makes no sense. It's May uh, May 9th, May 10th? It's May 10th, yeah. Um, although it is Canada and you just never know what you're going to get. Is it snowing there, Om? It hardly snows in Virginia in winter, so no, not now. I I would be one of the rare people that would welcome snow at this time of year just because you barely get to see it, like maybe two, three days max. And when it did actually snow in Virginia here, I was abroad. So this year, I just never got to see it. Well, um, I guess I, I'm, I'm less sympathetic to that. I kind of wish that uh, <laughs> we had warmer weather all year round, but... Um, alas, we are here, we are healthy, we are safe, we are covering a great game. Um, Matt, you, uh, you were on the podcast where we covered the first leg, right? I think it was me, you, and yeah. Gabe. Yeah. Uh, I'm just checking, it was the third, third game we, we did, uh, in the historical segments. And, um, I guess I, I'll give as much context as possible in case that you don't really know much about this game. Um, chances are that you do because it's, it's one of the more iconic games since the, since the turn of the century. Um, and even though Real Madrid won it, or, or lost it, they went ahead on aggregate. And there was a very feel-good atmosphere in the stands. We've always pretty much had a good relationship with Manchester United. 
despite um, despite that little blip was when Ramon Calderon came and Sir Alex Ferguson said, said Ferguson said that they wouldn't sell us a virus. Um, and obviously that was apparent too with the great crowd and giving Ronaldo a standing ovation after his hat trick. So this was the 2002-2003 season. Other games we've done um, besides the first leg, I think there was only one more and that was the Juventus game, right guys? Yep. Yeah. Which Real Madrid were totally inept and totally outplayed in, in the semifinal and they were a bit better in the first leg, obviously, and they took a, a, a lead into the second leg, but then Fico's penalty miss plus Juventus defending really well throughout the entire 90 minutes means Met and Real Madrid were just paralyzed. And Manchester United were just not good as Juventus. It was pretty pretty clear to see watching both, both the first leg and the second leg of this tie. They didn't really pressure Real Madrid at all. Their defense wasn't great. And... The greatest players of all time, like Zidane and Figo, just had so much space to work with. And even when they didn't, they're just so good in tight spaces that Manchester United didn't have a whole lot going for them. Um, context, context. First leg, Raul played, obviously was brilliant. He scored a brace. Um, Real Madrid lined a 4-4-2 in that game. But in the second leg, there were some changes. One, because Raul had appendicitis, so he could not play. Ronaldo spearheaded the attack as a lone striker. And... Uh, Del Bosque also put Guti and McManaman in the starting lineup, uh, and neither of those two players were in the starting lineup of the first leg. Uh, David Beckham came off the bench. This was shortly after his feud with Sir Alex Ferguson, with the where Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson kicked a boot at Beckham's head, and they just never were able to reconcile, and Beckham came off the bench, and even, even a lot of us were just shocked that he came off the bench. Obviously made a difference and scored a couple goals. So... Did I miss anything? Just trying to paint a bigger picture of this game as much as I can before we dive into it. No, I think uh, I think you hit pretty much everything. And I mean, I was kind of like, as you were talking about it there, Ken, I was thinking about your interview with Jeremy. Because um, flash forward, we obviously did the second leg to Juventus where Figo missed the penalty. Um, you flash forward to that game. And I remember Jeremy, when he was talking to you, talked about how this how it's so important to have a good squad um, to win the Champions League. It's all you need, like good players on the bench as well. And I think Real Madrid really struggled in that in that game because they didn't have guys to replace. I think who was it? Flavio was in the center. Was he in center back or center mid? Um, they were missing. Yeah, they were missing um, uh, Helguera in that match. They were missing a couple guys. I think Ronaldo was out, and so. Um, that's why, I mean, that, that made Juventus look even better. Uh, I just think overall they were the better team, but, uh, in this game, obviously you're only missing Raul. So it wasn't, um, as much of a, a drop in quality. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on a lot of things in this game. And, um, there were a couple of things that I don't think I've, I've watched this match in full really since the day it happened. I think it was the first time I watched it this weekend. I've watched a lot of um, segments of it. I've watched the goals over and over again, but from start to finish, I think this was the first time. There were a couple of performances that just actually I was really impressed with. And obviously this is known as the Ronaldo hat-trick game, which means everything else gets lost after after Ronaldo. But there were two players in particular that stood out to me, and I'm curious if they will, they will uh, be the standouts for you guys too, but we'll get into it. So... Um, Om, I don't know if uh, I know you weren't on the first like podcast with us, um, but 
is what struck you about this game, especially because you watched the Juventus game, which was the round after this one, which, which Real Madrid um, lost in. What, were there any stark differences in Real Madrid's performance from this to that or anything that stood out to you? Um, honestly, I was actually surprised by how um, loose and kind of like all over the place Real Madrid's passing was, especially to start the first half. We actually looked rather rattled. And it was kind of a case of like us putting together certain decisive counterattacking sequences. But otherwise, um, our passing wasn't as good as I expected it to be. So taking that like into the Juventus game, like I, I kind of saw like the passing kind of look similarly disconnected in that sense with Figo looking extremely slow. Like what was it like? Was it the 99-2000 classical we watched? Yeah, it's like um, a different forehand player. Where we saw, right, yeah. If Watching that Figo and then watching this Figo was just, it was such, yeah, that was the biggest um, contrast to me. How fast, how explosive Figo used to be for such a big guy. And then looking at him now, he he really looked quite labored, quite, there were still, there were still moments where he turned defenders. Um, at the beginning of the second half, he clipped the po- uh, clipped the crossbar with that cross of his that eventually led to Ronaldo's second goal of the night. So like he had these moments, but he didn't look close to the dominating force that like we'd seen him in his absolute prime. And yeah, it, I, I think he had a similar performance um, here as he did with Juventus. Juventus obviously being a bit worse, but like whenever the ball got to Figo in transition, it's it's like I at least I was expecting more from him. And it was just a little disappointing. And there was just something about that lack of efficiency that that I thought, oh, we could have done a little more here. But on the night, we had Ronaldo. So in certain in certain instances where the passing was off, um, all we needed were those certain moments where we fed Ronaldo on the counterattack. And literally two of those goals were outside the box where he just ran into open space, got his angle and just fired it past the keeper. And it was absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, I don't know if you guys necessarily thought the passing was was rather off in certain instances. I think I maybe came in with very high expectations for how Real Madrid would perform this game. But really, I think after the 35th minute, it felt like to me United were the better side, not in the sense that they probably deserved to come away with the result. But I felt by that point, they started creating more chances. And by the end, it was really down to Casillas bailing us out. That's interesting. I think... You go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh my. I think I didn't. I didn't come away. Like I did think the passing was sloppy probably early on, maybe the first fifteen minutes or so. Um, but I didn't come away with those kind of same sensations, especially in the second half. I mean, I thought there were moments in that second goal. Whew, oh my God. I mean, there were moments where I thought it was some of the best uh, inter like passing interchange in Real Madrid play I, I've ever seen. Like it was. It's it, this was like the peak of the Galacticos on that second goal. I felt like yeah. um, there was there was there, just, were, there, there were, go ahead. Yeah, there were definitely moments like I I I don't want to say like that. I didn't never saw any fluid combinations like um, even like right before like you were talking about the second goal like that passing combination was beautiful. But I think even before like just before the end of the first half. There was this combination which set up McManaman for a volley in the box, which you really should have done better with. And maybe yeah. that would have been 2-1 right there. So there are definitely moments. But I guess in terms of just like regular like possession play, I, I was just looking for a little more cohesion. 
But I think maybe that was affected by the, the like the midfield choices that Del Bosque had, like Makaleli and McManaman in midfield. Like that doesn't exactly scream the greatest ball progression. And Guti had to drop deep quite a bit. So like while like on paper he was the number ten, he was in between Makaleli and McManaman quite a lot, which was a bit odd for me to see. But it like it was. He, it, they relied on him a lot to kind of just do basic ball circulation from flank to flank and try to progress the ball. And Guti had, I guess Guti had a classic Guti game in the sense that there were some passes that were just breathtaking. Obviously, the first one to Ronaldo, he had a vertical pass to Zidane earlier in the first half that was really nice. And then like three or four times, he just gave the ball away needlessly. That just made no sense to me and set United away. So I think, I guess in that sense, like just this, I was looking for cohesive possession play and I never really got that but then whenever Zidane um, Ronaldo Guti could kind of get together um, like on in transition semi-transition and find each other and it was like a switch was flipped and there was nothing Manchester United could do to touch the ball yeah and I, I want to give our listeners just uh, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that Owen, but I want to give our listeners a, a little more background just on the starting lineup because we, we forgot to mention that. So for Real Madrid, mm-hmm. they had Casillas in goal, um, Michel Salgado at right back, Hierro um, in Helguera at center backs, Roberto Carlos at left back. Um, for me, it looked more like, it was almost like a double pivot, but it was kind of uh, like a 4-5-1 almost, or you could call it a 4-4-1-1. Uh, Guti and Makalele in the middle and like you said Guti was really deep he was not the number 10 in this match he was deep um, you had Figo on the right flank McManaman on the left flank but McManaman would tuck inside and allow Roberto Carlos just kind of to have that whole left channel um, and Zidane would filter out there as well Zidane pretty much had a free role he was just off Ronaldo uh, and then you had obviously Ronaldo up top and so you, you made the point, and Kian, I'm interested to hear who your two standouts were because um, you made the point on Guti. I, maybe it's because I love Guti, but I thought this was one of his best ever performances. And yes, maybe he gave the ball away a few times, but overall, everything went through him. Like, I thought he looked in, in an uncomfortable, deep position for him, but like, he withstood the pressure from Manchester United. Everything that was good came from him. Obviously, that first pass, that, what a dime of a pass i could watch that over and over again and i just thought he was i mean so so impressive in the center of midfield i thought ohm's assessment was pretty harsh um but i thought (laughs) i I thought um i thought essentially we saw we saw gears and real clicking in and out of gears all game and they went into this second leg with a pretty comfortable lead on aggregate not entirely comfortable and i think you know for some reason three one seems seem bigger to me at the time, maybe just because we have dominated that first leg so much. But like when you think of just the result in the vacuum, 3-1, it's not a, an insurmountable lead. You know, 2-0 does it. And obviously you go on the list of uh, other scenarios they can advance still from that. And we've seen so many comebacks over the over recent years that, you know, it doesn't seem that big on the surface. But I think the way Real Madrid dominated that first leg, it seemed bigger than it was. Um, but then I thought, I just felt like they just whenever they wanted to, they could kind of click into gear and get their passes together and, and put together a devastating counterattack. Um, and I think you probably saw the ceiling and the floor of certain players and plays at certain times. Like Figo, despite, and I agree with Om's assessment on Figo, that obviously this is a completely different version of the Figo we saw in that 99 Classico. 
And he looked a little bit leg heavy. He looked a little, he looked even bigger than that 99 Classico. He looked, his frame was a little bigger. It looked more of like a dad bod type thing. But um, he was still he was still giving. I don't think Manchester still had answers for him, even though he wasn't that version of Figo. Like he was still popping up in transition everywhere, providing outlets. And I don't think Manchester defended really well at all. Like when you look at the space that Zidane had, that Guti had, um, I don't think they did themselves any favors. But I thought I thought even some of the combinations between Guti, McManaman, and Zidane on the left were really nice. I thought Salgado was tremendous. Like his press resistance is something that stood out to me. And he is one of the players that stood out to me, by the way. But I think um uh I think defensively is where I found more problems. And I thought like mm-hmm. when you look at it, when you look at them in this game, you really could say to yourself, man, if a better team <laughs> finds these guys and they and Juventus eventually did, they're gonna have a lot of problems defensively. And um I was I just thought it was staggering about how much work Makaleli actually had to do because if you look at and by the way this is to me where Raul is a bit underrated too because you could felt feel his absence defensively because in that first leg Raul was pressing like a maniac like he was just he was and he was winning the ball like and then the rest of the team was in sync they were playing higher up the pitch Rams were playing much deeper on the field in the second leg and Raul wasn't there Ronaldo just didn't really press and neither did Zidane who was kind of the second highest player and it was clear to me that Z- neither Zidane or Ronaldo had defensive duties. And so they weren't really pressing and they weren't really closing off passing lanes. They were just kind of there, it seemed to me, to conserve their energy to show as an outlet when Real Madrid retained possession. And Figo, a little bit better defensive, but even him was really... him. him he was like the third guy who I thought really didn't have many defensive duties. And uh, essentially McManaman and Guti would tuck in narrow to help Makaleli. But often, like, Makaleli was the only guy like even keeping an eye on zone 14 and just in the top of the box. I thought he was amazing. I honestly thought McAlealy was a standout to me. And that's, that's a performance I didn't necessarily remember um, some 17 years later, but I thought the work he did defensively was incredible. Just his pressing, his hounding, um, reading Giggs's dribble every time he cut inside, just so perfectly picked his pocket twice in the first half. And um, even like, Despite like one pass in the beginning where he was a bit panicky under pressure, which I think around the same time Owen was talking about, where Real Madrid's passing wasn't great. Apart from that, he was actually really press resistant. Even if you look at Ronaldo's um, third goal, it was him in a nice coming out of a, a, a very tight space to find Figo and, and, and kind of with this nice pass and move sequence to get the ball up the pitch. So I thought maybe, I thought... I thought it was really good, and even the moments that Real Madrid weren't good and Manchester United uh, looked like they were creating more chances, which they were. There were definitely periods of that. I just felt like Real Madrid had gears they could go to, and they were just so, from a talent perspective, they were so superior to Manchester United, especially with Beckham on the bench, that I think um, I remember most of the good stuff in this game for that reason, um, rather than kind of those wonky things. I remember, like, in terms of, like, bad things, I remember Hierro and Helgero's mistakes far more than anything, to be honest, more than, like, some misplaced passes. Okay, uh, a couple of things there. So, Makalele, I largely agree with, um, just worth mentioning as well, that he, he did, he was robbed. Um, I think it was by O'Shea on the fourth goal that, like, led the counterattack on the right. Um, so, like, I, I think it was more than one moment that like Makalele looked a little shaky on the ball, but defensively it was it was him by himself essentially. And that's kind of where I find it 
harder to like rate Guti, even if I give him more lenience for the on the ball stuff, just because his load was so heavy to carry. And I don't know if that's exactly fair because Guti is in a rather uncomfortable position defensively because as Kian mentioned, it's Ronaldo Zidane up top. It's a 4-4-2 medium block, essentially. McManaman's off to the left, so he can't really tuck inside to help out. And Guti is in that double pivot with Makaleli. Um Vigo's on the right. And a lot of times Guti would press forward to try to pressure Roy Keane, try to pr- uh, pressure Nicky Butt. And Manchester United would just play vertical passes through that pocket. Van Nistelrooy would step up and then, you know, create combinations moving forward. I think in the 55th minute or so, it was that exact type of uh, sequence that led to Solskjaer getting a one versus one with Casillas that Casillas obviously brilliantly saved. And then on the second goal itself, you know, Guti kind of steps up towards the right and West Brown plays this pass through his legs that I think Guti should have done a lot better on. Um, ben Nisteroy, again, is the player dropping into the pocket. He plays it to the edge of the box for Solskjaer, who then plays it into the onrushing Veron, and then that's like Hiro tapping it towards goal. Um, oh no, Helgera tapping it towards goal, and it's an own goal. Um, so the there were like too many moments I saw like that with the defensive structure was just all over the place. And it, like Keon said, it starts from the top when you don't have that pressure from the forwards where maybe from the flanks, it's a little weaker though. I thought McManaman did quite a good job. Um, a lot relies on the central midfielders to kind of judge where they need to be, when to apply pressure. And Makaleli obviously is a lot more comfortable doing that. And Guti really was, was was out of his depth in that sort of instance, and he was placed in a really difficult situation. I don't think he handled it well, but I don't know how much of that blame to put on him because you're putting a player there who probably shouldn't be in that defensive position, and he just pressed out a lot. He abandoned positions, and Makalele, you know, for all the tackles and interventions he made, in a lot of situations it was like two versus one, three versus one in that area, and there was not much he could do to stop the ball from getting into dangerous areas. So... I guess that's why I would say I, I said beforehand that I saw Manchester United as more dangerous in the second half because um, Real Madrid created those chances early. But by the end, it was those types of situations that United finally figured out how to exploit. And they had, I think, maybe three one versus one opportunities with Casillas, um, at least two. I know for sure um, that Solskjaer one and then Van Nistelrooy um, that ended up leading to the goal. Um, the, the fourth goal for Manchester United. I thought yeah, what Manchester I, United found a lot of success um, w- was kind of right behind, be, making those runs behind Robert Carlos. And sometimes it was, it was Van Nistelrooy, sometimes it was Solskjaer. And just kind of making that run into the half space, um, that was where the Real were really vulnerable. And um, uh, uh, like Ohm kind of just glossed over almost every single goal there. But like honestly, I have no idea what Hierro and Helguero are doing on those two, those two goals, two of those goals conceded. I honestly don't know, yeah. especially the the Helguero one. I don't know how he even thinks in his 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 mind to redirect that into his own and with his flick. And the Hierro one, <laughs> I honestly didn't even realize until watching it. I I finished watching the game right before we recorded. That it was a Beckham goal. It was credited to Beckham. I thought after all these years, it was a Hierro own goal. I didn't even know Beckham got a touch on it. That was that was shocking to me. But yeah, defensively, this team was all over the place. Part of the reason why I also rank Makaleli so high in the defensive midfielder rankings is like this is his job was insane. It was really insane. You know, yeah, what? 
the Hierro and Helguera touches remind me of. It reminds me of the last Real Madrid-Manchester United match we watched where Puskas shoots, not Puskas, sorry, Hento shoots on goal and the goalkeeper just does like the wildest thing and lets it go through his legs. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it was just that absurd. Like, I just had, I don't, I mean, Helguera's was absurd, but I don't understand what, like, I just can't fathom what Hero was doing either. Like, it, I, I just, like, I don't get it. And, like, Hero looked up. It just was two brain farts that you just think, like, that's why, like, I, I, I try not to judge those moments so harshly. Like, we see some stupid moments in the past and we're like, this would never happen in modern football. And then we see it happen in modern football. Like, imagine 40 years from now, people watch Carius, you know, in the Champions League final and they're like, man, football was so bad back then, you know, that would never happen now. They were playing against plumbers, like, <laughs> stuff happens. Like, I've seen it enough now that, like, it has nothing to do with any era. Just fo- footballers are humans. Yeah. Their brain malfunctions sometimes. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Rude Van Nistelrooy, too, he was just a monster for Manchester yeah. United. He was, uh, Helguera has gonna have, had nightmares of him after that match, and I, Keon, to your point, I think they did do a really good job kind of exploiting the space that uh, Roberto Carlos left behind or, or Schulshire in the half space. Uh, I mean, he, he struggled there. And I think I, I, I see your point, Om, with Guti. Uh, I think that's, and you kind of alluded to it, I think that's more the system that Del Bosque put him in. I think his role was to get on the ball, keep the ball, find the right passes, and that's what that's what he did to perfection. I think Del Bosque probably should have moved uh, McManaman, almost did a double pivot with McManaman and McAuley, and then had Zidane, who was already drifting out to the left a, a ton, just have him um, stay a little bit closer to that left wing. I think that would have helped a lot more to kind of control that midfield and cut out passing lanes and just keep their shape a bit more. Um, but I think we, we obviously have to talk about Ronaldo and he was I mean I I I was surprised at how isolated he was for most of the match I mean if you really think about it it's just everything he did came off like everything he touched was perfect his shots were perfect every like his decision making was perfect he only had like those three moments were really his all I can really remember from the match that he did, he was pretty isolated otherwise. And those, and it, it just all came off perfectly. Yeah. I mean, and this was around a time that he was getting criticized heavily for his weight. And uh, his first like performance was pretty bad. And he, um, but I mean, you could just see what he, he didn't need much to, to score. I mean, that was, he had such an amazing knack for goal. I wanted like the technique he used. So when you look at the first goal and like you get past like Zidane and Figo, by the way, like just always there as an outland transition. You can you saw it in the first goal. They were there because uh, they didn't have very strict defensive roles. So they're there receiving the ball in a counterattack. And then Guti's through ball, as you guys mentioned, was incredible. I, it's still kind of weird that Ronaldo scored that. Like it doesn't seem, definitely wouldn't rank that high in the XG chart, right? It was a difficult goal to take. And his technique, it's like a, it's like a half toe poke, but like he also shoots it with his laces. It like, it looks like he's doing a toe poke, but then he gets his lace underneath it and then lets the ball dip. He did it for the third goal too, pretty much. Um, but he's also known as as scoring as a bunch of toe pokes, like not in a like a, a, an under twelve uh, rookie type way, but in like a way that he actually just it's it becomes like a dagger. Like he he turns the ball into he turns his foot into a dagger, 
and then puts his toe through it and and he scores. He's done that a lot. So his technique was like just it's a very unique technique. I don't know if anyone shoots the ball like that now. But uh, I guess it just it must have caused Bartes to cuz he he looked really out of sorts in 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 those two goals in the first one and the second and the third one because the ball just kind of dips over him even though the ball's not even that high. So yeah, he was it was remarkable that he did so much and so little, really. Um, he was lethal in this game. By the way, like that, yeah. the, like the entire like um, end to this first half was pretty crazy because you just had waves of waves and waves of attack. And um, basically, I, I, I was curious to know what you guys thought of the, the first goal conceded just for halftime, the 1-1. Because it was a scramble at the top of the box. And... Soakshire gets in the box and then plays it to Van Nistelrooy and Salgado. I mean, that was one thing that stood out to me that Salgado did wrong. He didn't close Rude Van Nistelrooy in time. But then um, McManaman, to me, should have been closing the passing lane to Soakshire, and he doesn't, just to help Roberto Carlos out a little bit. So I thought on first glance, you see Roberto Carlos get caught out. But I thought McManaman should have done a better job defending that. I wasn't sure if you guys read it any differently. Um, I... Because it was like, because by the time, because what Carlos like dives and like tries to clear it. And at that point, the entire defense is in semi-transition. It's like at that point, everyone's out of position. And like, those those are the situations. That's why you try to create those situations because the defense is out of place and you can create those passes. I think to me, Helguera and Giro, again, they both go up. I don't know who plays that long ball from the left, whether it's O'Shea or Sylvester. They, like, never really show that part of the replay. But someone from the left, either of those two, plays the long ball. And both Helguera and Giro go up to challenge for it. One of them gets a touch on it that barely redirects it. And when that happens, both of the center backs are out of position. The ones who should be in that position to to cover for Van Nistelrooy in the box, who who maybe would go out wide to try to get on Solskjaer. Because after that, um, when the through ball is played, Helguera actually gets there to Solskjaer, but he's too late. And Solskjaer is able to kind of chip it over Casillas and Helguera and then put it into Van Nistelrooy. And I, I just think some amount of communication there when the long ball is played. It's not like, you know, it's a fast vertical ball. There's like a good second and a half where the ball is in the air and you know Elgar and Hero just need to look at each other and decide or someone needs to call out this ball is mine so someone else is in the position to 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 try to recover but when both of them go for it and Roberto Carlos kind of fails on the clearance you have three of the defenders in the back line out of position and essentially from then on it's like all the time in the world to kind of play the decisive defense splitting pass and create that tapping opportunity so yeah i i think like Everyone was out of position at that point, and I think you could point to like a lot of people could have done better here and there. But to me, it kind of starts with Helger and Hero not being able to communicate on that long ball and both going for it and both like basically missing. I always wonder how this team would have looked if if you just you kind of airdrop two actual like really really good defenders instead of Hero and Helger. I mean, that, that kind of sounds harsh because Hero, even at his old age, actually had his pretty good performances. But ultimately, you saw we saw also against Juve. At that stage of his career, he just could not keep up with Nedved. If I mean, he had zero chance. Yeah. Um, but and the other thing I was thinking about while watching this game and and talking about Figo's kind of he looked a little bit leg heavier, just heavier in this game. 
um, still, the most logical thing, if you really, really wanted to sign David Beckham that summer was just sell Figo and put Beckham on the right wing and keep Makaleli and everyone's happy. Then that way you get a, just a younger talent on the right wing and Beckham who's still at a higher level at that stage of his career. It would have made more sense, wouldn't it? I, I think Absolutely. so, yeah. I, I, I think so. I, I mean, it just having that reference of that Barcelona game from uh, 99, I mean, we said it. Figo was just... He was a completely different player to the one we saw against Manchester United. And maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe we're being harsh on Figo because I did think he had some decent moments. But to Ohm's point, he uh, he did he did lack that just a little bit of that mo- mobility, that acceleration that he used to have. And um, it was apparent. I thought of all the like, major Galacticos, I thought he was probably the poorest. But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on Zidane because I thought... I didn't think he was um, like I didn't think he was best player on the pitch or just awe inspiring, but I thought he played his role pretty well. Uh, I think he he was that outlet in transition and was able to keep the ball and allow the team kind of have that pause to regain their breath, get up the field, and then find the right pass. So I thought he did that really well. Um, but, but I did think sometimes it would be hard. I thought sometimes he did drift in and out of the game, and he really didn't do any defensive work whatsoever. Yeah, I thought I thought Zidane was 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 all right in like the total balance of things. Um, there were some moments in transition, again, like going back to my like earlier point where he just misplaced a couple passes that I think may have elevated his performance like higher and made up for the fact that like he was absent defensively and he was in and out of the game on the ball, which was, I think, more to do with the fact that Real Madrid were really, their their game plan was only to hit on the counter and, you know, possession play-wise, it was a bit erratic. But there were these moments, because there, there's a lot of like, been a lot of discussion about Zidane's legacy as a player. Was he as good as we said he was? He's is he overrated due to a lack of longevity, consistency, and all of that? And it's like it's almost impossible now to kind of understand who Zidane actually was as the player, what was real about him, what was not, because there's so many differing opinions about him. One thing I will say that stands up to all the praise, you know, all, you know, what you essentially almost see as hyperbole when you hear about it, is Zidane's first touch, first three touches under pressure is absolutely incredible yeah it's just he has total awareness of the defenders around him and he can receive the ball at literally any body position manipulate it into a neat second touch and then the third touch takes him away from everybody and he's there to release players so like in terms of like as a player in semi-transition Zidane is the exact type of player I want linking midfield to attack because of that ability to receive in any type of space in any sort of position turn and play the pass into the into the forward running beyond the last line it some of those and it it wasn't even that much it was maybe four or five times but because the quality was just that obvious it was breathtaking to watch and this like like matt was saying you can't even say this was like some awe-inspiring performance from Zidane, but just the quality of those touches were quite special i actually really like the Zidane performance um (laughs) i will there's something about Zidane that in by the way i count me on the on the on i guess i don't know where i stand on Zidane anymore i just 
I've seen so much inconsistency from him, but I've also seen his ceiling, which is absurd. And I've seen his title speak for himself. And I think he has this intangible thing that it's almost immeasurable in statistics and that and you saw it in this game that he just slows the game down and gives you it gives everyone confidence. Like those first brilliant touches, the first two, three brilliant touches, is just when he can bring it down in traffic like that and just play his way out of like three players who are breathing down his neck, that just gives your team so much confidence. And his ability to slow this game down is was remarkable. Like I mean he had a couple like passes that just went wayward, but I mean he is so dangerous, especially with when he gets the ball. Um, in space um, and I mean he had the hand in the first two goals like the third goal obviously he was not really involved in that one the first goal he was involved in getting the team out of the back and getting the ball to Gucci the second goal I mean he, his just patience and his like honestly again slow motion he just uh, he plays the ball to Figo who hits the crossfire eventually the ball comes back to him and uh, he that that touch to bring it under control, play it to Roberto Carlos, and then get it back from Roberto Carlos. Roberto Carlos makes that brilliant run. And that through ball to Roberto Carlos is just so perfect. His ability to just pick those things out was so awesome. And um, he probably should have had another assist to Portillo at the end. I think Portillo was offside eventually. but um, So I, just moments like that, I think he is so good at just helping your team. I don't know if it's... I mean, again, I don't think... We have an analytics for his time. We don't have the the key passes and the ball progressive stats and all those things. We don't really have them right um, for his era. So it's hard to measure him. I think I think we we should be probably comparing him maybe to. Um, I think Lucas brought up the analogy of Iniesta, which I think is accurate. Where he's like, he's not really an attacking midfielder. He's not a pure central midfielder either. But he's like this kind of this hybrid who can do a bit of both. So maybe comparing him to Ronaldinho is unfair and maybe comparing him to Tony Kroos is unfair too, but he's kind of in between. And I think he can do so many different things. now. But I think his role, um, if a team knows how to close it, they're going to close it. Like we saw that with Juventus. He was a ghost against Juventus. I mean, the whole team was terrible. But um, so I, I, but I, I liked him in this game for those reasons. I think he just he gives your team... Just confidence moving the ball out of the back and, and finding your way out of a press. Yeah, I mean, you you said it all right there, Keanu. He makes things he makes the game look so simple and that's Im- immeasurable. He any other situation, like other players would probably lose the ball or pick a different pass or just make really struggle with the pressure that he has to deal with and he just makes it look so simple and so easy and you can't you it's something you can't put a stat to at least not yet um and i think it's it's funny how you talk about the Juventus system kind of totally eliminated his game and mitigated his influence i want i mean maybe there's a bigger discussion there because i've been thinking about this for a while it's like that that role, that Isco role or Coutinho or whoever you want to say, number ten role or kind of a free role, it those players you find are probably the most cons- inconsistent of anyone, um, and I think that's in large part just due to the type. If they're playing against a certain system, then they can't, their qualities don't come out, um, and they can easily kind of be marked out of a game or just taken taken out of a game completely and so i i mean i think about that with some of the players obviously these younger guys real madrid have signed um 
it's how do they how are they going to fit how are they going to evolve how do they kind of beat that um stigma that's there now that inconsistency stigma of a number 10 when you're when you're left with all these reoccurring themes even the best players of all time like Zidane who were inconsistent because of that I mean I think it's a bigger discussion well think about I think it's interesting that if you think about that role who is the one manager who's actually kept it alive it's Zidane with Isco because he's the only one out of these guys who actually played that role himself I don't know if that actually plays into um, his style of managing but I think he's virtually he's Isco but better and he's trying to maybe recreate that role. I could be way off on that. That's just something that maybe makes sense if if you look at his playing style. But um, I think that role exists to an extent, though, like with Pep, but it's just different. It's like, you know, it's more, uh, you know, I suppose it, it kind of does, you know, when you look at players like Bernardo Silva and, and David Silva and the way he uses those guys, the way he uses Iniesta maybe does make sense. But, Zidane had a much freer role, if you ask me, than those guys and, and less less defensive duties. The other thing I'd be very curious about is if you had... Del Bosque was a, a very good manager. I think he's top three, probably top two best coaches that the team has ever had. Um, and everyone, every single player after he left talked about how much they missed him. But I do wonder... What, what Zidane's and Figo's role would have looked like or any any of this defensive structure would have looked like with like a, I don't know, uh, a tactician? Like uh, uh, someone who yeah. actually would have... Now, they flipped through like three million coaches until Capello came and, and brought some kind of resemblance to a respectable defensive identity. But um, yeah, I, 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 I do think Zidane... Ultimately, I'm on the side of Zidane was one of the greatest players of all time, obviously. Um, but I do wonder how much um, this team would have looked different with a different kind of a different approach. Okay, there's there's a lot there that I'm trying to organize my thoughts on. Okay, so in terms of like just quickly, I I, I didn't want to say like the Zidane Isco similarity just because I was scared to. So now that Kian said it. Um, I'll say you inspired me to think of that. It was, yeah, it just in terms of this game, given his role was really press resistance, ball retention, and then releasing forward players, it really did remind me of Isco playing in a deeper role or, you know, him even playing in the diamond, which he ends up roaming into deeper roles anyway. So it seemed a lot like that with obviously Zidane being a better version of that, much bigger, you know, more impressive physically and on, um, you know, a bit better technically, obviously. Um, and then in terms of, well, what was the other thing you were talking about, Keon? God damn it, I forgot. Tactics, um, different coach. Uh, before that, it was... You, Zidane, stats, no stats, t- first touches, immeasurable. And being phased out. Zidane, oh, yeah, it was Juve Matt. Sorry, it was your your thing about the number 10. That was, that was it. Okay, yeah, Um. I just had to get in on that a little bit. I, I think I think that inconsistency and ability to be shut out, I think a lot of that comes from uh, a, a kind of... And I do think this is slightly more archaic now, especially with the really big teams who have the resources to buy so many different talented players, is this idea of the 
having a fulcrum of the attack where every single thing flows through this one player and all of the creativity comes from this person who can roam between the lines, shift from flank to flank, play the ball all over the place. And really, you're extremely dependent on this player to create and progress the ball with with both their positioning and passing. And that, I think, we've, we're realizing and have realized is that if you can shut that player out, things become so much more difficult for your team and you need more options. So... The, the the creative player who can live between the lines and has that technical quality will never die out. But what you see is, is you see more options throughout the team. So you can't just shut this one player out. Because if you do that, you leave so many other options open. So with Barcelona, okay, sure. You you want to man-mark Iniesta and do everything you can to shut him off. Well, guess what? You have Lionel Messi up top. Um, you have Xavi as well. You have players out wide. With Manchester City, yeah, you have Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, but you have both of them on the same team playing at the same time yeah. with David Silva also there. And I think that's kind of where these playmakers, you know, live now and can find, like, that relevance, like, outside of this idea of this number 10 that carries the entire offense, right? Like, when Odegaard comes back, whenever that is, he's not going to be the only playmaker on the team. Even at Real Sociedad, he's not, right? You have Oyarzaba, you have Yana Mendy. Like, teams are realizing now that you need multiple play- multiple um, forms of these guys on the same team. And honestly, to keep them engaged, sometimes that means just bringing them deeper. That's why the 4-3-3, in my opinion, is more prevalent than the 4-2-3-1 because it's just much, much harder to shut out a player who who's not just living between the lines all the time, who's going to drop deep and get on the ball and always stay involved in some way or the other. Um, and, and, you know, the, 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 the little change that needs to be made with these playmakers now is how do you straddle coming deep to receive the ball and staying involved while also you know, spending 50% of your time between the lines so you're still being a decisive player who's offering ball progression through your positioning. And I think that's where the new difficulty is because before it was just you just sit between the lines all the time unless you're in a unique situation like Guti where there's just no ball progression behind you. Like, Guti would not have played like this all the time. Like, he was definitely someone who would have lived between lines. But now when you have Odegaard, who's playing in a central midfield position or in a central attacking midfield position. It's about learning how to navigate those duties and essentially take on more so the playmaker can can continue to stay relevant. And that's kind of see where I see like the future heading for these types of players. No, that, that's that's exactly the point um, Keon and I have talked about on the loan tracker before about Odegaard because people have recently been saying, oh, he's hasn't been as involved as he used to be or he's not influencing the game. Sometimes it's more important for those players, especially when it becomes apparent that the team's tactic is go to this guy. Everything goes to this guy. Sometimes it's better for the best player to almost act as a decoy, to come deep and free up. He's going to have two guys marking him or have one guy marking him. You actively move deeper to free up that space and allow your other teammates to get on the ball. So I think, Om, you made a great point there that like now nowadays you have all these other play, players and playmakers that you can play off of as well. So you're not going through one guy or if you were – Historically, you now kind of use that as a decoy and use his movement, drag players. It's it's kind of that in that player, you have to kind of let go of your ego a bit. You obviously you always want to be on the ball. You want to be in action, but you got to sacrifice yourself and move out of the play, move out of that position to free up space for your teammates. So I think sometimes people kind of forget how important that is. Well, the other thing that role now, too, is, I mean, you look at someone like Isco or Odegaard. 
they don't stop moving defensively either without the ball. Like Odegaard, Odegaard, if he's not like if he's if he's acting as a decoy or or taking a backseat with the ball, which he rarely does anyway. But if if let's say Yanuzayu, there was the one game at Real Sociedad I remember that he didn't play and they actually played really well in one, and they all it's I think he's made the whole team better. But um, with Isco, he is relentless in his pressing. He's really good. So I, I'd say that role that they're they're asked to do more defensively now. Even if you look at really from 2010 and on, if you look at the way Iniesta functions, the way any of City's midfielders functions, those kind of ten, number ten hybrids, they're pressing like maniacs. They're working off the ball like crazy. And I didn't I didn't see that with Zidane really throughout this entire season of these games. We watch Juve, Manchester United first leg, Manchester United second leg. He doesn't have that relentless relentless pressing effort um and i'm sure it's by design but i think if he played in this era they might actually ask him to 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 be a little bit more active defensively and be more involved and i think that's another way that role is involved when you think about like also the role of full box full backs how much it's evolved although like we look back to the turn of the century and we see how offensive roberto carlos and salgado were now I think it's on another level where the fullbacks are just involved in every single bit of possession. And teams playing higher up the pitch, central defenders basically at the halfway line with the two wingbacks playing as really high wingers and everyone's shifting into different places. There's so much more needed defensively now to stop teams from even exploiting that high line that everyone is working like like clockwork. And I'm amazed it took us this long to get Casemiro some help like Valverde this season. Like I think Valverde has been a revelation because you, you have another presence to help Casemiro. So you don't necessarily put him in that Makaleli role and ask him to like, here, survive as long as you can. Hmm. Um, I just think that things are being shifting defensively. It's just teams are better now. Like I can say that this is not like the NBA where it's actually, I don't know. <laughs> um, it, I think it's evolved in defenses. Defending has gotten way better than it's been. And uh, part of the reason is because I think players are working harder. I'm glad I'm glad you, you, you went on that um, line of thinking, Keon, because I was wondering how I was going to slip this in, like considering that we passed it probably like 15 minutes ago, which is when we were talking about how isolated Makalele was. And this, like, to me, links to the larger point about an evolution in thinking about how you structure defensive systems. So partly what Keon was talking about, but also this idea beforehand that you only need one guy in midfield to just do all the dirty work and everyone else can kind of do whatever they want. And that's how you create a stable defensive system. And now you might ask, how is that? that different from Real Madrid now with Casemiro yeah there's still somewhat of that same idea that you when you have you know a generational defensive talent you can put this guy in the center of the park and have a bunch of talented technical players around him and you you, you're still stable defensively one you know we sort of see how Real Madrid has had issues in transition defense with that kind of model but I also argue that it's still a lot different from 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 like 15, 20 years ago, like we complain about Kroos tracking back and all of that, but our central midfielders now, Kroos, Modric, especially if we're thinking about 16, 17 season and all of that, they did so much more pressing work. They had so much more positional concerns. Like Kroos as a presser is one of the most intelligent I've ever seen. Like it, it's been on him for such a long time to step out of the midfield line to like, to, to like shift out of that 4-3-3 four, four, three, three into a 4-4-2 four, four, to press, you know, up up top with Benzema, cover shadow the passing option behind him, and then once like they force the ball wide, Kroos kind of drops back in the midfield. Like that's just not like Guti 
was out of place in that system and maybe if Kroos played in, in, in that era and he had to like defend next to Makalili, he would be as well. But I think that kind of shows you the evolution in thinking, right? Defense defensive solidity is not just about having the talent to destroy in the center of the park. It's yeah, you ha if you can get that guy, you have him, but it's about everyone within the team has roles and duties and they have to work cohesively and they all and they all have to execute and, and work with effort and press in order for you to have a cohesive defensive system. And I think that's one of the most significant, you know, evolutions in tactical thinking in football that's led to what Keon is talking about in terms of just the vast defensive improvements we've seen, which have been so rapid. And I think actually a lot more significant and, you know, a lot, the advancement is much greater than the offensive tactics, which have, which, which have been big as well, right? You think about positional play and all of that, but defensively, it's almost like it's double the advancement than the offensive advancements that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have about, we have to wrap it up in like about four minutes. So, uh, um, always like asking you guys this question, anything jump out with the broadcast? I, this one is a relatively newer game, so I don't think there's much, if anything, but I'm curious, I guess. No, I, I actually, I mean, it was nice that we had the HD on UEFA TV, so that was nice. I couldn't uh, figure that out. I, there was no play button for me, so I just watched it on Football, yeah. You did? Really? Yeah. yeah. There was there oh, a play it was so button nice was to missing? watch it. It was so nice to watch it in, like, HD quality, where, like, you could see the timestamp on the screen. Oh, lucky sons of bitches. Did you guys, <laughs> did you guys have commentary on yours? Yeah, it was English commentary. Oh, okay. just, yeah. Mine didn't have commentary. There, there were a few moments where... Um, like for instance, Figo would. I remember one moment where Figo was on the ball and he was playing a big switch, and you had no idea who he was passing to because the camera angle didn't switch over. But mm. aside from that, it was, it was pretty good. I mean, I I was mm. I was happy with it. I thought the crowd was great. Yeah, I, that was a fun fun you old Trafford that night. You could hear Madrid chants too. Yeah, and I just thought like you know there was the every time United would get like these surges of momentum, the crowd would ride their back, and it was like. It was fun, but at the same time, they recognized the greatness to give Ronaldo a standing ovation. Yeah, I thought it was it was a good crowd that night. Um, anything else? I'll just fly through my yeah. notes really quick, and you guys just jump in. Um, uh, just things that we may have missed. I thought Figo's movement for Ronaldo's third goal was underrated because he um, he basically drags a defender and gives Ronaldo. Uh, I think it may have been West Brown, but I'm not sure. He and then he allows Ronaldo to just um, to cut in and shoot that unchallenged. Casillas complaining about everything is always funny to watch, and <laughs> he has every right to complain about all those goals. But but when he complained about Beckham's free kick, he was yelling at the wall, and it was like I'm not sure what he wanted them to do in that situation. Uh, oh, geez, there's a whole like Beckham's. This, we didn't talk about David Beckham at all, um, but. Yeah, I have I have rapid fire things as well. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so skulls like just really quickly. Manchester United really could have used skulls, especially in like the first half. It wasn't until the 35th minute that United started to get shots off, and a lot of that was down to like they were trying to circulate the ball quickly. They were trying to play switches, and like Keane and Butt doing it just it 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 wasn't enough. Like skulls being suspended, I think, hurt them massively. I think it would have taken Manchester United possession play to another level, talking about relying on one player to kind of, like, um, you know, guide a team's ball progression and all of that. I think he was a huge miss. Um, I, the commentators even said, like, skulls much bigger miss than Raul. Um, 
Van Nistelrooy to me was extremely impressive. Just the the dynamism of his movement, the the dribbling ability, like was was really impressive to me. Casillas, incredible with some of those saves. Like it really made me nostalgic for Casillas, like him yelling at the defense, yeah. all of it. Like yeah, I mean it was a heroic performance. Um, Solari, like on the ball, like just these couple moments he had, I was like, wow, okay. So like those were some good ball carrying movements. Like that's all I had to say about him. Um, and then with Ronaldo, just you, you guys mostly touched on it. I never really got to talk about him. Just I just wanted to talk like just the decisiveness of his movement was just so impressive to me. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He knew exactly how to shake off the defender and he was away. Um, and then finally, like with the Manchester United crowd, that reminded me how much I used to fear Manchester United. Like that's something I've really forgotten with the joke of a club they've become now but when we played them in 2012-13 that never say die attitude that came from the crowd that came from the Ferguson like the fact that United didn't give up in this game was just amazing to me like it, it was an impossible yeah. task and they just kept till the very end they 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 had this irrational belief that they could win and that is absolutely terrifying to face so when we faced them in 2013 I it was like we were playing Barcelona on the Champions League. I was just absolutely terrified. I didn't want it to happen in the round of 16. I was like, that's it. You know, our chances of going out is it's like 50, 50. And it, we honestly United probably outplayed us in that second leg. And we got lucky, you know, though Nani, I, I think arguably that probably was a red card with what Nani did, but yeah, just being reminded of like the kind of terrifying force that United were, was yeah, kind of like a nostalgic flashback to me because looking at United now, it's it's totally different. It's just wow, like that that was a hell of a team with the type of attitude they had. Like, yeah, awe inspiring. Yeah. Um, I know Matt's got to go and I got to go and Om obviously doesn't have to go because he has nothing to do. But uh, <laughs> I will just I wanted to just end on this. I think I've been reflecting on this watching this game too and watching the last dance. The journey is kind of underrated. Like. The journey, yeah. uh, even if you don't win titles, it's, you know, titles Titles are so hard to win. And ultimately, there's a bunch of good teams and one of them will win it. Sometimes through luck, sometimes through brilliance, obviously, a lot of, most of the times through both. But like some of our best memories are not even title years. Like, you know, this was a great mm-hmm. memory watching this in both legs and Real Madrid didn't even win it in the Champions League this year. They won the league. But, um, you know, thinking back to, Jordan's shot uh, against Cleveland, they didn't even win the title that year. And I, I just, I, so I just started, I've started to, as I've gotten older and become a more mature sports fan, <laughs> I've, uh, <laughs> I've started to appreciate the journey. If that uh, sounds really lame, I'm sorry. But uh, uh, I don't know. Titles are hard to win. And sometimes some of your best memories come and even when you don't win the title. So there's, there's, my, uh, there's my motivation for the day. Love it. Love it. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate your time. It was really fun. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of days over on Patreon. And then next week, Atraf Hakimi Post Game Show. Stay tuned for that. Uh, finally. Yeah, finally. Can't wait to cover some football. Okay. Hala Madrid. Thanks, guys. Madrid. All right. Before we wrap it up, we wanted to give a shout out to our $10 plus patrons who do so much to support the show. So, shout out to Mikhail Nilsson. Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Balaccio, Adam Dorsey, Frederick Rantakiro, Leon Stavronakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, 
Ilian Zako, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Tyler Simon, Sad Omar, Oloa Pamimo, Ola Donjoy, Christian Toff, Charles Williams, Tarek Sphere, Kunal Telekar, Marin Myrtle, Ragat Potluri, Jeff Thurston, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Pena Maridisa, San Francisco Bay Area, Brennan Stevens, Casper Moscala, Catherine Fagundo, Rafael Servia, Karen Scherer, Somanchu Singh, Brennan Powers, Nelson Mazariego, Umar Mahadi, Robi Tagiev, Anthony Armesto, Shabal Sharapov, Varun Ashik Bashar, AMB6901, Faisal Hamdan, Alex Perez, Muxith Thangal, Sergio Arispe, Graham Gerard, Matan Baron, Kevin Rivera, Michael Cruchon, Zafar Chowdhury, Keith Lizenby, Hassan Chowdhury, Tobias Arroyo Botcher, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Solomon Ortiz, Fabian Moreno, and Philip Hammer. You guys are amazing. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show and see you guys Tuesday. Halamadir.